0: Bushmaster whooped your ass again, didn't he? It was the other way around him, man. Oh, now where's the video of that shit? you still the hero of Harlem, right? My cousin's getting smacked around by the cops because he has dreads. Every Jamaican ain't down with Bushmaster. Hey, hey, you need to handle this, Luke. My little sister can't even sleep at night. What are you gonna do? Yo, I'm doing the best I can, okay? Look, I'm sorry about your brethren, and I'm gonna handle Bushmaster, all right? And young lady, I promise, I'm gonna put a stop to all of this. No, you ain't. You ain't no better than the damn cops. Oh, damn. She got you. That's some cold shit. Let's go. Man, see, you ain't using your powers, right? Excuse me? See, if I was bulletproof and strong, I'd be running shit. I'd be like, either you bend a knee, or you lay down, bitch. And if they didn't, Dracarys, Like straight flames for them niggas. Estate property and Game of Thrones do not mix. Now, nah, when you hide, that shit sounds right. Hey, you coming in? But you never ask. Hey, fam. Welcome to a new episode of LM2 Talks. As always, I'm your host, Larry. So this week, I want to jump into talking about Luke Cage Season 2. And so right off the bat, I want to say that there are going to be some spoilers for the season in this episode. So I would definitely advise you to watch this season before diving into this episode of the podcast. So before I really start to break down some of the things that I thought were really interesting about this season and and to really get into the discussion topic that I wanted to talk about today, what I wanted to do first is just kind of share my feelings on the season overall and, and a few of my feelings on the Marvel Netflix properties overall. So within a couple of weeks span, I ended up watching Luke Cage season two. I also watched Jessica Jones season two. As well as the first season of The Punisher, uh, there's only one of those out right now. But you know, I just wanted to kind of make sure that was clear because there probably is a second season of The Punisher coming. And one of the problems that I've seen kind of overall with Marvel Netflix and something that you've definitely heard other people talk about is the length of these seasons. So all of them seem to be 13 episodes. And I want to just kind of start by saying that I feel like I still feel like that's too many episodes for each of these seasons. It feels like there is either too much story to tell uh, with that many episodes or there's too little. And what I mean by especially when binged, it feels like there's a lot of empty space in these seasons. And so a series that I like a lot, like Luke Cage season two, binging it, I felt like it meandered a bit. I felt like there was a lot of kind of dead air within each episode, but that said, individually watching the episodes at a normal pace, as I've been kind of going back through and watching single episodes here and there, I actually feel like the show works a little bit better in that form. And I think that's something that's true of all of these Marvel Netflix series. So Netflix is a media that 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 really lends itself towards the idea of binging and and we often kind of embrace it in this way where it's like all right a new show has been added to Netflix so i'm going to watch all of the episodes i can as fast as i can and part of that is folks trying to avoid spoilers and things like that but the other part of it is it's at our fingertips you know we can just keep watching episodes after episode and a lot of these shows are built in a more kind of traditional TV scenario. So episodes are really designed and edited and made so that you're not necessarily supposed to binge them, but you're supposed to take them in one episode at a time and leave space between them. And I think that's something that Marvel and Netflix really need to figure out as they kind of continue on with all of these shows. A really great example of this is, is looking at something like The End of the Fucking World and how that show, I believe it's six episodes, but it made it so that the story was really tight. It it made it so that everything that was going on felt important and didn't feel lost in the grand scheme of things. You know, and that's not to say that things that happened in Luke Cage or Jessica Jones or The Punisher don't feel important, but you lose sight of those things within kind of the the length of these shows within the space of these shows. So that's something that I just kind of wanted to clear up up front because I know when I first kind of posted on Facebook after finishing the season, I was a little lukewarm on the storytelling and I felt like it didn't quite do the story justice. And I felt like there was a lot of, you know, again, a lot of space left in there. But what I will say is I think this was a really strong season for Luke Cage season two. I liked it much more than season one. I felt like they did a much better job of kind of establishing his character, establishing the world that he's in and really realizing what Luke Cage represents, uh, especially in kind of the media age that we're in right now. And... Coming off of something like the Black Panther this year, I think it's a really important season of TV, especially a season of Black television, and I and I will kind of get into that as we go further in this episode. So, a couple of the praises that I want to sing for Luke Cage, uh, especially within season two, but some of these also apply to season one. The music is stellar. Um, the overall score of the show feels like a reclamation of black exploitation kind of sound. And so I think it fits the world really nicely. It fits the character really nicely. The inclusion of kind of current soul, hip hop, jazz, and r and artists works really nicely. The live performances oftentimes find a way to really feel organic within some of the episodes. And you know, it helps that there is a club where these things can be performed, but it really works nicely. The only place, well, no, yeah, I even, even the, the one song that I found myself wanting to complain about within the context of where the series goes, where the series ends up, it actually makes a lot of sense. And for those of you that have watched, you know, I'm kind of talking about that last Luke Cage song that's performed in the final episode. It really goes a long way in kind of establishing the talking points around Luke Cage, who he is, and kind of where he's kind of risen to or fallen to, depending on how you look at it. On top of that, the performances were great this season. Uh, All of the characters, their storylines were really well developed. Uh, Mariah Black Mariah, played by Alfred Woodard, has one of the most compelling storylines I felt like she was one of the standout characters this season. Likewise, Simone Missick's Misty Knight was another standout this season. Theo Rossi as Shades was phenomenal as always. I I really just kind of love his sliminess. And new characters like Bushmaster, played by Mustafa Shakir, was really, really phenomenal. Uh, I, I feel like the cast overall for this show was a lot of fun and they really kind of helped add to my investment in this season. This is a much more kind of character driven story. It's not so much about origins and just kind of getting things on screen. It feels like they have a much more real, much more grounded, much more, you know, kind of socially conscious story to tell through this season. So, and I and I think that's really where I kind of want to pick up my discussion of this season is really looking at the story and how it relates back to Black America and kind of the burden of Black Americans uh, in a few different contexts. And so, I think one of the core elements that's really established through Luke Cage, through characters like Cockroach, through. Uh, shades through Comanche is really this idea of kind of black and brown masculinity and what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to kind of deal with the rage that is often kind of inside of us, the love that we want to express, but sometimes are unable to express? And how can we kind of let these things out? In a way that's constructive and not destructive. And all of these characters very much struggle with that. They are self sabotaging in so many ways. Cockroach, not as much. Cockroach is kind of an awful person and, you know, he's continually shown as an awful person, but he works as a really great foil for Luke Cage who has all of this power and has good intentions, but doesn't quite know how to deal with scenarios that that might be very challenging or or could be more harmful if he uses his powers and you know a lot of that stems from cockroach being an abusive character who takes his you know vile urges out on his wife and his son and luke cage kind of seeing that and saying this has to be stopped and in a really kind of poignant part of this season Luke Cage viciously viciously beats cockroach in front of his family and it's it's a lot to kind of take in because you know on in on one hand you're very much like yes this guy deserves it but Luke Cage is doing this in front of his family how is this doing more damage how is this doing more damage to this child how is he going to kind of see all right well what it means to be strong is to take out my aggression on other folks. You know, even though he's he's kind of suffered this abuse at the hands of his father, this person who's supposed to be a hero is now kind of doling out his own form of abuse and Luke Cage is so much more powerful than a normal man. How is this okay? You know, and and there is that that struggle, you know, what do we do with our strength? How do we how do we use it? How do we use it in a way that isn't going to be damaging to ourselves, isn't going to be damaging to others. And that same kind of struggle within Luke Cage is represented in his relationship with Claire, played by Rosario Dawson, who at some point in this season, you know, very early on, finds herself afraid of Luke because because he's not quite able to express his feelings in a real way he's internalizing too much he's putting too much weight on his own shoulders and so the only way that he can really kind of take that out is to punch walls and to be hyper aggressive and this is something that kind of scares claire away from him and it and it really damages a number of the relationships around luke and so it's something that I saw as kind of a really important conversation around masculinity. Likewise, one of the one of the other really interesting storylines around masculinity is the relationship between Shades and Comanche. And so early on, it's kind of like, oh, like they're they're just they're brothers, they're coming from, you know, the same scenario. But later on in the series, we find that there's more of a connection there. There's definitely a love angle there. And it's it's beyond just being brothers. It's being something more. And you see the pain. You see kind of the inability of both of these men to really describe and ascribe the feelings that they have for one another and what they mean within the context of their vision of masculinity and how they feel like they need to portray themselves for the rest of the world. And it's really heartbreaking in a number of different ways. And it leads to a scenario where, you know, one lover essentially has to kill the other in, in cold blood. And it's just so damaging. It's so hard to watch, but you know, there's, there's just kind of this visceralness where does our strive to uphold our masculinity prevent us from being able to express who we really are, you know, and is that societal? How do we, how does that weight kind of get transferred, transferred to us as men? And why do we let it control us in that way? And I think that's, that's something that, it, it, it's for me, one of kind of the major points of this season. And it's something that, you know, a lot of people might want to overlook because they want to just kind of look at the overarching story and, and look at crime and look at, you know, what does it mean for a super powered person to be kind of dealing with all of these scenarios. But I think there's so much more to it. It's so much more human than just kind of Luke's super heroics. In another way, I, th- I think the female characters in this show look at a kind of a different aspect of black American womanhood and the idea of kind of being the rock. So Misty is a character who during the Defenders lost her arm. And so she is kind of reinstated. She's coming back to her job as a detective and she has to deal with kind of being looked down on at first, you know, in terms of people looking at her and saying, oh, she probably can't do this job. She's a shell of her former self. She's got nothing left. And really misty kind of dealing with that same self-doubt and and various other forms of self-doubt, finding out that her former partner was corrupt and planted evidence and most of the cases that he worked on were thrown out and the people that were locked up because of him were put back on the streets because he didn't do things in the right way. And so she has to take on this burden of being kind of this superwoman that she has to be not only for herself, but for all of those around her. And we get to see throughout the season, you know, what is the toll of that? How does that affect her? Where does her self-doubt creep in? Is she even allowed to have self-doubt? And For her, very much, you know, the the foil for her character in a lot of ways is Mariah, Black Mariah, because she is kind of so sure of herself in a number of different ways. Yes, she has her own demons that she's dealing with, but she really sees it as, you know, I'm not allowed to have these moments of self-doubt what I'm doing is right, no matter how bad it is. And I continually need to be kind of stressing this. I kind of continue, I need to be able to show this continually strong black women are what are getting things done. And even if that comes at the stake of, you know, alienating, alienating her own daughter destroying parts of the community being untrue to certain aspects of herself and what her kind of what her family's mission was it's a really interesting kind of comparison to make between those characters and so you know really when I was kind of working on the titling of this episode and working about working around where I wanted to attack these ideas from It really came down to that. It came down to what is the burden of blackness in America and how do we look at black characters in entertainment and what is their role? How much weight do we put on them and how much weight do, in a sense, we put in ourselves, especially when we're in kind of majority white spaces or spaces that we feel that we have to represent more or we have to take on the burden of kind of being the example for our entire community, for our entire people. And I think Luke Cage season two definitely does a great job of exploring that idea, while at the same time showing that there are multitudes to blackness. You know, one of the things that I really celebrate about this show is the fact that it started dived into West Indian Jamaican culture. In this season, we start to get a sense of there are other black people besides just black Americans, and what do their struggles look like? How do we kind of look down on one another? How do we attack each other? How do we you know, in a way use colorism to separate ourselves into different castes in a way. And so being able to see that interaction between Bushmaster and Mariah Stokes and their families and what that history looks like and kind of the Inability to stop themselves from trying to tear each other down when, in actuality, if they had been able to work together, they could have made both communities shine greater. They could have made something new. For all of black, you know, for all black people within that scenario, rather than kind of insularly fighting. And I know there's a bit of naivety to that because, you know, there's always within systems of power, there are always going to be people that are striving to maintain that power. There are always gonna be people that don't want to give up what they have. But that was something that that really stuck out to me as being a really kind of important part to this season. And beyond just kind of that struggle, I think one of the things that's also kind of made apparent throughout the season is all of our main characters really struggling with their demons of the past. So whether that's Luke and his relationship with his father and kind of being cast as a criminal, whether that's Shades and his relationship with Comanche and really questioning his life of crime and if he wants to leave and how he can be better. How we can be better, in a sense. Um, you know, his his dialogue, his statement of time reveals all when he's having his great conversation with Comanche as they kind of express their feelings for one another and and what they mean and and trying to make sense of them. All of that, Mariah dealing with her demons, dealing with what happened to her, what happened within her family, what happened between her and her daughter, and that relationship, what happened between her and her brother, trying to escape those things and not letting them eat them. As I mentioned before, Misty's demons with her partner, and then even Bushmaster with fighting the demons of the past and and wanting revenge on the Stokes family, wanting Mariah's head on a platter. And, And what does that look like? And how does that, in a way, destroy us? How does seeking to run away from those demons rather than confronting those demons head on prevent us from being able to kind of achieve our full selves and from being able to create a better version of ourselves, better version of our society. And and I think that's, it's such a poignant thing that happens throughout so many of the characters in the show. But then there's something that really interesting that happens towards the end of the season. And, you know, this is where kind of the spoilers really come in hard, but it's when Luke kind of decides, well, maybe I have to adopt some of these demons of some of these other folks in order to do my job, in order to protect this area of New York that I love, in order to protect Harlem. You know, Mariah is doing awful, awful things. Her family has done awful, awful things. But oftentimes it was in the service of not only protecting their powers, but raising the stakes, raising... Elevating the platform that is Harlem, creating a better system for the people there, creating a better life for black people within that society, given giving them more opportunities. And so Luke kind of realizing that after conversations with her towards the end of the season decides that it's time for him to kind of skirt that line. He has to take some of those risks. He in a way has to see himself become the villain in order to create a better vision for Harlem, in order to create a protected vision of Harlem. And I think there's there's a lot of value in that story arc. And at first when I first watched I was kind of like no no this can't happen this doesn't make sense you know why would this great guy kind of stoop this low and become this villain become this this evil character in order to kind of make ends meet but I think there's a certain reality to it where as much as as you hate systems as much as you kind of frown on what's going on sometimes the best way to make a situation better is to fall into the system and change it from within and he realizes this he realizes that he needs to infiltrate the crime systems within Harlem in order to help protect the people the only way for him to stop this gang war is to have those meetings with these different mob leaders is to take over the Harlem's paradise is to kind of rule with this iron fist because all right yes, his skin may be bulletproof, but who's being injured by his ricochets? You know, who's being killed by the bullets that are bouncing off of him? And if he can stop those bullets from being fired in the first place, even if that means he has to do some shadier things, even if it means he has to deal with some vile people, deal with some evil people, and allow for some bad things to happen within his city, is it ultimately worth it? And I think it's a really interesting question that this season asks, and there's not really an answer for it. And I, and I think that's where I, I'm really interested to see where season three goes in this show, because how do you recover from that? How do you be, how do you come back from your hero becoming the villain? And we haven't necessarily seen that work in all of the best ways. You know, the, the greatest example that I think of with it is, you know, the end of Dark Knight. And, you know, the whole idea is that Batman is going to take on the burden of being labeled as a murderer, killing Harvey Dent to uphold the memory of Harvey Dent to make sure that the city still has its white knight and can kind of look at things. So Batman becomes this villain, or at least he becomes known or seen as this villain, but he's not actually the villain. In this case, Luke is really the villain. He's becoming kind of everything that he's been fighting against. So how does he come back from that? What does that look like? What does his redemption arc become? And I think that's really where we're going to see the creative team that's working on season 3 that's where they're going to struggle and that's where i i want to see how they rise to that challenge i want to see how they make the character make him work conceptually within that space and how long is he going to stay in that space how long is he kind of going to be you know luke cage the crime boss and and get back to being luke cage the hero for hire that we all love so you know i know that was a little bit heavy but what I want to kind of come back to now is, is just something that was a little bit more fun for me thinking about this season, and it's really how bad of a hero Luke actually is. So, um, recently I went back and I watched the episodes where he was trying to protect Piranha, and kind of at every step, he was injuring Piranha. He, you know, his, his leg got injured, he got a pretty b- bad sprain, you know, these stylers ended up kidnapping him at one point and Luke had to get him back. Um, and then eventually they did kidnap him and, and, you know, he was, he was killed, but kind of continually, I was reminded of how good is Luke actually as a hero. And you know, how does that reflect on his overall arc in the story? Is that why he kind of went down this path of, all right, maybe I do need to become a villain because I'm really not that good at protecting people with my powers. And I think the other part of that that's really interesting is the conversation of what good is having powers if the systems that are around you don't really allow you to use them in a way that can better your society. So how can you use different forms of power? in order to kind of restructure the society around you. And and I think that kind of loops back into that idea of Luke becoming the villain of Harlem in order to save Harlem and be the hero of Harlem. So again, I, I just, there was a lot going on in this season. There was a lot that I really loved. You know, honestly, like I didn't even really talk about Bushmaster that much this season. And, and I think there's something that, that's really interesting about his character because he's not, Necessarily, this horrible villain. He's, yes, he, he you know, has his people behead some people and he does some pretty nasty stuff there, but he's singularly focused on revenge on Mariah and everything like that. But I, I don't know. There was, there was something interesting about him where, you know, in much the same way that I would say that Eric Killmonger in Black Panther is a great antagonist, I think that Bushmaster is also a great antagonist. And I wouldn't necessarily call him a villain because I think he exists in a way to point out flaws in our central character's ideologies. And I think that Mustafa Shakir does a really amazing job at being that character but also kind of having his own self doubts about what he's doing and having a family system that's portrayed within the show that is also challenging him to really think about what he's doing and how it can negatively impact his community. And so there was a, there was a moment where I thought, oh man, like I would really hate to see, you know, Luke just have to kill this guy and, and, you know, we'd never kind of see him again, you know, and, and when that didn't happen, when he kind of was depowered and defeated in a way, but allowed to heal and allowed to escape. I I really felt a sense of kind of validation in that because, you know, you saw him learn his lesson. You saw him lose his entire family because of his quest for revenge. And to see that, you know, again, like, you know, it's, it's a little cliche, but that idea that an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind and And how there are different ways that he can use his station, he can use what he's doing to make his community better. And so I'm really interested to see if they bring that thematic idea back uh, in future seasons, if they bring Bushmaster back, and what does that look like? You know, does he become an ally to Luke Cage? Does he become somebody who is helping to clean up the city as opposed to creating chaos within the city? And so. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much with this season and I really want to talk about it more. I want to discuss it with all of you. So as always, if you have feedback, if if you want to talk about this season with me, shoot an email over at Larry at LM2photo.com. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Larry Tron. Look, I really want to have more conversations about this season of this television show there's so much more that I wanted to go into, but I feel like I, I kind of want to leave it there. I feel like we've we've talked about a number of kind of different ideas and, you know, I, I want to let those sit with you all, but I also want you to think about them and, and come back to me and, and think about what are the questions that you had leaving the season? Did you notice some of those same things that I noticed? You know, what are other ways that blackness is kind of shown in, in this kind of burdensome way, you know, in a way I didn't even really, I didn't touch on the idea that not just Luke, but characters like the black Panther, black superheroes in general, black lightning, they, they have to kind of assume this role of representing all of us and represent the best of us. And, you know, again, the, the greatness of season two of Luke Cage is allowing him to falter, allowing him to make those mistakes, allowing him to not be perfect. And that's a certain allowance that we as black folk need to allow ourselves we're not always going to be the rock, you know, black women, you do a lot. You do a lot for this entire country. You do a lot for our communities. You do not always need to be that rock. Sometimes you need to practice that self care. You need to escape. You need to do things for yourself. Black men, we can't take on the torture of the entire world ourselves. Sometimes we need to share the burden that we feel with others. And we need to be able to express our emotions in a way that's positive. That's constructive. That isn't destroying those around us. And, you know, and especially not taking it out on our loved ones, on those people around us. And I don't want to turn this into, you know, a session where I'm, I'm just kind of preaching to the choir, but you know, there's there's an amazing conversation around blackness and representation to be had here with this show as a context, with you know, properties like Black Panther with Black Lightning, you know, and we need to talk about these things more. And I and I think all of them I, I think this is just like an amazing age for black entertainment, especially related to black comic book characters. And I want to see more of this. I I think we really need to extend these conversations and, and kind of, you know, allow them to kind of expound. And, and I think one of the things that's really important is, you know, especially looking at a kind of black Panther as a guide and looking at some of the things that were done in season two of Luke Cage, look at the multitudes of blackness. So what does the African experience look like? What do various perspectives of the West Indian you know west indy perspective on blackness look like how can we show blackness from a UK perspective? What do all of these different forms of blackness look like and how can we find ways to celebrate all of them but not kind of make them monolithic? I think that's one of the things that, you know, when we're, when we're really talking about representation and inclusion and, you know, incorporation to borrow something from, from the latest episode of uh, Cell Processing that I listened to, what does that look like and how can we have these fuller, richer conversations about blackness and what all of our different experiences look like so that we can kind of create a better picture for all of those around us. So that, you know, when people look at black people, it's not always, you know, we have this one singular vision of what their experience must be, but we're able to speak to the different experiences of us all. Woo! So again, I just want to thank you for kind of allowing me this space to get all of that out there. A lot of this I I had given myself notes, I had given myself an outline for this episode, but as it started to flow, I just, I decided to kind of throw it out and just say what was on my mind and to just dive in where I thought it was appropriate. And so I hope you enjoyed the style of this episode. I hope to do more episodes like this where I can really just kind of dive into and share my thoughts on these properties. Like I said before, I want to hear your thoughts. Hit me up at Larrytron pretty much everywhere on social media. Send me your thoughts, Larry at LM2Photo.com via email. Use the hashtag LM2Talks if you ever want to talk about my podcast. Uh, Definitely, if you're on Google Play, if you're on iTunes, send me, you know, do a rating, tell me how I'm doing, send me feedback. I, I need this to be a collaborative process. In the upcoming episodes of the show, I'm going to be doing a few more question and answer episodes because I didn't touch nearly all of the questions that I was sent. And I want you to send me more. Uh, I'll also be talking about a recent movie that I loved. Sorry to bother you. I did uh, an IGTV episode of you know my new series, Mondays at the Movies, about it. But there's a lot more that I want to talk about. I want to get into the spoilers and some of the visual imagery and some of, kind of the thematic poetry of that film. I also want to talk about just generally, you know, some of my favorite films of the year so far. There's been a lot of great stuff. You know, there's, there are movies that I'm looking back on and I'm like, that came out in 2018. Wow. Like this has been a pretty good year so far, you know, not necessarily great, but I think there's a lot of really good media that, that's coming out here. And, you know, there's just, there's a whole host of other topics that I want to talk about. Um, I kind of want to get into my thoughts on AMCA list after about a month of using it as a service. Yeah, there's just, there's a lot coming up. There's a lot that I want to talk about. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. As always, this is Larry. I'm going to sign off. I love you all. Peace. (laughs)